Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Edgeguard Podcast, a podcast where to get a closer look at games on the fringe. Uh, my name is Jordan. I am your host. With me, as always, is co-host and good friend, Blake. Good friend, Blake. It's me. Good, good friend. Best friend? Well, let's not let's not take this too far. Okay. You know? Regu- just I'm, friend. I'm afraid of commitment. That's fair. You know, we haven't... Uh, you know, we haven't got to that level yet. You know, once we've been mm-hmm. podcasting for eight, nine, twenty years, then I might be ready to. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I just want to want to move in first and see how things shake out. You know. <laughs> yeah, millennials. I just read were one of the most uh, um, risk averse generations. You know, we don't want to mm-hmm. move into friendships very quickly. Mm-hmm. You never know what'll happen. Yeah, you could stab me in the back. You could have <laughs> sex with my wife. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not get, we're, we're getting distracted. Uh, uh, our our uh, friendship quabbles aside, uh, this week we played Magic Sabotage. Yes, Magic Sabotage, a game by a lot of people. Uh, this game has one of the most developers of any game we've played before, so we're not going to individually introduce them because there's eight of them. But they go by Burgundy Unit. Uh, they're a group of eight first semester students at the uh, School for Games School um in berlin okay wait the s4g which is short for school for games in berlin uh, magic sabotage is a uh physics uh puzzle game i would say where mm. the just short explanation is you're a little elfin wizard dude and you shoot fireballs out of your finger and your goal is to angle the fireballs so that they bounce off the uh, walls in the room of each level in order to uh, knock down and destroy these vials of potion, I guess. Yeah, um, it seems like um, we, yeah. we're a vindictive little uh, sprite. I don't know what the hell we are. Just yeah. a little, little, sprite little guy right. little guy fucking up some wizard's lab or something. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of imagining that it's like you... A wizard summoned you, and you mm. were like this little shit who's just oh, like you know, in his whole day, an imp gone wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't imp. control his imp. Imp is very good. He's very impish. He little very guy. Impish. Um, I mean, it's uh the core design is pretty simple. So I guess I can like summarize pretty much all of it, which is that mm-hmm. uh, so you the the first few levels is just you shooting fireballs into the things by knocking them around then it adds the mechanic where you have to knock over these books and they have kind of pretty well developed 2d physics you knock over the books they fall onto the potions then it gets more Mm. complicated eventually you have to if you click while your fireball's in the air you can light your fireball make it big and it's like it'll light books on fire and then you can cause like these chain reactions where all the books will light on fire and they can even Mm. light curtains on fire and that's how you can uh move stuff around the level in order to destroy things and then eventually there's these little portals too that you have to shoot your fireballs mm. through and so mixing and matching all of that the game makes quite a few like uh, pretty complicated puzzles yeah um, they get some of them they were, get pretty involved pretty tricky yeah. yeah um and there ends up being like something like 30 levels in, 30, the, in yeah. the whole thing mm-hmm. uh and several of them provided a pretty solid challenge uh, some of them had me yeah. stopped for a few minutes yeah, there was a there were some there was some challenge. Uh, I will admit, 
uh, that I had, I, one of the biggest challenges for me <laughs> had to ask Blake for help, which is why he's snickering, I assume, uh, <laughs> is that I somehow missed that when the books light on fire, they can catch the curtains on fire. So mm. I spent an inordinate amount of time on the level that introduces you to the curtain flaming mechanic just because I mm-hmm. didn't get the message. Uh, you fool. You goon. Uh, but, I mean, I did. It, the game, for the most part, does a very good job of like uh, teaching you how the mechanics work without uh, telling you, because most of the time you just kind of like fiddling around with the level. You can see how all the pieces fit together. Um, yeah, yeah. A few of the mechanics, like obviously the uh, fireball thing, it kind of like shows like, oh, if you click while it's in the yeah. air, then it'll then it'll make it puff up real big which actually the thing you didn't mention which i think is very important is that it only like puffs up for a moment and then it like goes back down and it only will light stuff on fire while it's all big and puffed up um you have to time it in yeah moments yeah you have to be very careful yeah uh, make sure that you yeah yeah, it's true there's some of them where you have a small window of time that it needs to be on fire in order to light everything mm -hmm. that it needs to be on fire. yeah and i mean um one of the ways that it kind of has a choose your own difficulty is mm-hmm. that um, some of the levels... So you can get one through three stars for each level. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the levels, uh, there's a solution to destroying all the vials where you you have to use... Where you can use all three of... You have three fireballs per round. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you only get three stars on certain levels if you use fewer than all three of your fireballs. So it's like if you want to like get the perfect solution for one of them you can figure out how to do it in only one fireball or two fireballs or whatever but then Mm -hmm. if it's a little too tricky you can just bypass the level by using all three of them yeah and that actually uh, that's one of my favorite things about this game because it's a pretty it's a this format is a pretty common thing i i feel like especially in sort of the uh like mobile space these sort of like simple to control uh, mechanically not super dense physics-based puzzle games mm-hmm. uh, fit really well in a mobile space. This the game is also available for Android. It's not on iOS, but it's available on like the Google Play oh, Store. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, and it I think it'd be a great puzzle game. Um, yeah, but uh, they all sort or it's it, many of them kind of adhere to this thing of like uh, star ratings, and so you can pass the level with once you get just one star but right. uh getting three stars is like i don't know showing a, a true mastery i feel like i'm yeah. pretty sure angry birds does that i know cut the rope does it um mm-hmm. but this game does it in a way that i think is a little bit um i don't know they they make it a little bit more engaging uh by i feel like generally the um sort of games with this mechanic of getting stars to win have like one specific criteria like with cut the rope for example it's like you have to collect all the actually i don't even remember what it is i feel like you have to collect all these little stars so you have to like take some extra steps to uh collect little stars around the map and if you collect all of them and then finish the map then you get uh then you get um the three stars or whatever Mm -hmm. but what this game does is it has a meter on the side uh that the meter fills uh it has like three ticks in it basically like three sections of the meter uh and breaking glasses or the little files the little potions uh fills the meter and different potions fill it a different amount uh 
but then also if you have those i think you already mentioned this but when you have left if you have leftover fireballs and you've destroyed all the files then uh a fireball will fill up one full pip uh so i think the the thing that Mm -hmm. lets them do is it lets lets them be a lot more flexible with how they design things because they can have certain puzzles uh be where like okay we intend for you to use all of the fireballs uh but we uh you have to destroy every single glass thing to get it right or i guess pretty much all of them you have to destroy every glass thing but yeah uh sort of it lets them change like all of them though i mean in order to get in order in order to get all three star i think there's not a single level where you can get all three stars with leaving vials but there are levels where i got like one star and it let me mm, yeah yeah and not all yeah. levels are done let me continue yeah i'm talking i'm kind of talking about three stars but yeah that's yeah, a yeah. good point but it lets it does let you be a lot more flexible with your win conditions uh it lets you d- it lets the player be more flexible with like okay well i just want to get past this level and i'm not going to figure out the three star version yeah yeah but i know i can div- d- uh kind of like brute force it and uh destroy a certain number of potions to move on and uh, but the the other thing it does is it lets the designer be a lot more flexible with being like okay i want to force the player to do this like to figure out the tricky way to do it where they have to be like bouncing it around extra and kind of hitting two potions with one fireball uh to to pass this certain part uh and i thought it was it was clever and and the other thing i think that you get out of it is that uh the player gets a very exact indication of what score they're going to get and like why they're going to get it. Uh, even though you have this sort of more flexible scoring system, uh, but it's still really simple. I don't know. That was the thing that, uh, caught my eye the most about this game. It's just like that. This is a good, this is a good way to encourage players that really want to like test themselves to do the, do the harder solution. Uh, I feel like other games, it's just, like angry birds it's like uh, get all the pigs or something i don't see i, I don't remember enough of uh, the like precise ways that other games do it but i don't ever remember them being as like well defined and i don't know just good there's it's yeah. just good it is good um i i liked the the multiple stars mechanic too because it um you know mo- a lot of puzzle games especially kind of this mobile style of game will uh, give you some option to skip a level if you're stuck um, mm-hmm. that that's kind of a way that it's like you can skip the level mm-hmm. like partial skip which i liked yeah. because there were some levels where i'm like okay i think i'm like right on the cusp of this one i think mm-hmm. i'm gonna be able to solve it but i want to come back to it later and i want to go to mm-hmm. a new one until then um, mm-hmm. and so it's like i can i can like complete it rather than just having to skip it entirely and then come back which i thought was nice yeah um, yeah how many of um, them did you end up not getting three stars for did you get none three st- i three starred everyone three all- i think I, I was went back to do a few of them that I uh, two starred, and then decided to not finish them because uh-huh. we had to record. I'm better than you so again. You, you did complete. I think I probably got twenty, twenty six or twenty seven. I don't remember. Um, Damn, Jordan, yeah. you've fallen from grace. I beat you like the last three games <laughs> where there's any metric by which I could win. It's like the exact it, inverse of what was happening. It was like Jordan yeah. wins every time. There's a there's a new sheriff in town, Jack. No, we just and gotta it's, play. It's me. Let's play Devil Daggers again. Let's just go back the, to that. I'm I'm not gonna be mad at playing more Devil Daggers. I know. Like, I just <laughs> the, that one just popped in my mind out of nowhere, and it's like, that was a I nice game. Maybe Devil I should Daggers. play that game. <laughs> well, maybe I'll uh, reinstall that right now. Yeah. Uh, 
but anyway, we should talk about uh, the fact that this is a student game, I think, because yeah, yeah, it uh, is it's something that sets it apart, I guess not totally from a lot of the games we play, but um, a lot of the games we play are maybe made by students, but they're not explicitly like a project for a class. But I, I guess maybe I'm assuming this, but I'm relatively certain that this was like a class project type game because uh, it, it I mean their website specifically mentions uh, I mean the fact that their website mentions uh, the school so much and yeah. that it says like we are first semester students uh, leads me to believe that uh, this was you know a, a game that was made for a class which uh, for for a you know first semester students I've been a first semester students in a in a game design program I think it's uh, it turned out quite well i Re- mean it, no, it, really well for first of all. yeah i mean i my theory is that this this is uh the german equivalent of like a master's program just because of mm. their ages but if it's not and they're literally like undergrads this is incredible for a first yeah sem- if this is like their first pass at game design <laughs> that these mm. eight people have this is mm. a fantastic first entry uh, and then yeah. if if they're master students it's still very good yeah, it could be a situation where maybe they're like, uh, they go through a significant amount of schooling, but they're not actually in the like program until a certain point. Mm, yeah, like, maybe you know for their last two years or something. I don't, I don't know yeah. how schools in other in other countries work, but either way, yeah. Uh, the thing that is being said is that this game is good, very good uh, student game, and good job, quite Burgundy polished, unit. and it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's fun. I feel like uh. Some of the games we play are uh, maybe uh, are like really interesting, but I wouldn't describe them as fun. I would definitely describe this game as. I would fun. too. I actually had that like really distinct thought in one of the early levels. I think it was one of the ones, and this gets into something I want to talk about. It was like the first mm-hmm. one where I was like, "This feels really Rube Goldbergy, like mm-hmm. more than it must have been in the first ten levels." Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just like found, you know, I had solved the level once without getting all of the all the stars and I was replaying the level and I, I realized like the exact thing I needed to be doing and mm-hmm. like the exact spot I needed to shoot the fireball and I did it mm-hmm. and I just watched like the whole, it felt like, you know, literally watching a Rube Goldberg machine go off after mm. you like put the one missing piece into it. Yeah. And then I was just like, Oh, that was rad. And then yeah. I, I just remember thinking like, man, I would play this game even if I was not talking about it on podcast. Mm. Yeah. I think I'm glad you brought that up because it actually, um, is another thing that this game does really well is it strikes a good balance between a like tough thoughtful puzzle and a level where you uh do one thing and a bunch of cool shit happens because i feel like it's something that can commonly happen in like a uh a physics-based game like this where it's like okay there's sometimes it's like oh we set up this uh this really elaborate uh, like thing and the player's not really doing that much like they're not earning it they're just kind of like okay I shoot this thing and then yep, the, yep. the whole crazy thing goes off and then other games will have a more like they don't have those cool big moments but they have uh, you know really well done puzzles that really make mm-hmm. you think like you know sort of portal and I feel like this game strikes a really good balance of like there are a few levels that are like 
especially I was actually kind of interested, like surprised that this was the fact that like in the last like five or 10 levels, there were like very many where I was just like, I immediately got there. Maybe it was just like part of the mastery of the game of getting to the end of it. It's just like, Oh, I know exactly how to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, but in general, I think this game does a really good job of like, uh, making you earn those really cool moments and they just feel way better or having like a few separate, like Rube Goldberg moments within a level yeah. and you have to set them up and do them in the proper order. Uh, yeah. and you just have to sort of intuit the, the best way to, to make it all happen. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I think this game I, does a great job of, of, I do too. Ha- yeah. Um, I, so I have two, uh, two things I want to talk about the, like the Rube Goldberginess. I don't know the, the way mm-hmm. the levels feel like a big crazy machine. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is praise, and the second is a, and not quite a critique so much as like a, um, a problem I had that oh, okay. may, not necessarily negative, but just a problem I had. Uh, so the mm. first one is, um, I'm sure some of our listeners, I know you do, Blake, but I'm mm. sure some of your listeners, if you're listening to a, a game podcast, you know Mark Brown's YouTube series Game Makers Toolkit, and he mm. has this uh, great video about puzzle design. Um, I think it might just be called like what makes a great puzzle or something like mm-hmm. that. And he yeah. says that uh, some of his favorite puzzles are uh, they have a level design structure that kind of naturally leads the the player through a number of stages. Where the mm-hmm. first one is you see a familiar mechanic. So mm-hmm. in Portal you see like uh, a place to put a block or something. Mm-hmm. And you're immediately like, okay, well, I'll just go try that. Because that's yeah. the first thing you, you just try it out, and then you do it, and you realize that by doing it, you prevent yourself from doing something else you need to do, or you put you move something into a place you don't want it, or you uh, there's some reason why the obvious way doesn't work, mm-hmm. and so you're like, okay, how can I do this thing that I was going to do um, in a different way, mm-hmm. and then you have to like explore the level a bit, and eventually there's I think he calls it like he uses the phrase a lot, but like recontextualization or something like that and you see the whole level again but from a different point of view and you're like oh you have that eureka moment we're like that's why that other thing that i wasn't paying attention to is there Mm -hmm. i see how Mm -hmm. they fit together and then it's like really satisfying when you had that moment of like trying an obvious thing it not working having to see why it didn't work and then try again it's kind of like it's almost like the like just like the learning like the abstract human learning process just condensed yeah. into like a three part form, you know? Yeah. Which is kind of all fail. of puzzle games. It's true. Yeah. Puzzle games are like about learning almost mm-hmm. or something. I like wouldn't that. even say almost, I would say largely <laughs> puzzle games are about, uh, learning things generally because the designer wants you to learn them because, uh, they think the output of them is cool or interesting or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. it's largely like we came up with this cool shit. How do we teach the player to uh, like teach the player the thing in a way that makes them feel smart and empowered? Uh, right. Where it feels like a discovery rather than something you've been taught. Exactly. Like when you break it down at that at that granular level, like if you watch the video, which I think you should. Uh, yeah, Mark Brown, Game Makers Toolkit puzzle design i'm sure you can find it and we could probably link it but um so when you break it down so so granularly uh it it kind of seems like oh well i didn't i didn't figure any of that out that was all just a designer pigeonholing me but in the moment it's like no 
they've they've built it in such a way mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's the the, the crazy thing the, or the really difficult thing to get right about puzzle design uh which is to basically be pulling the strings uh at all times but have the player but feel as if it's all happening things. naturally yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. You, you have to like set up the conditions in which the player will make the discovery for themselves uh yeah, it's a very it's a very like delicate balance. Um, I, mm. I think, I mean, puzzles when it comes to like game design, not like game development, puzzles mm-hmm. I think have to be one of the like hardest. Yeah, as a person, the hardest things to do. Yeah, um, it's. I feel like my general well. thought about it is that uh, some people like certain people have it and certain people don't. Uh, mm. so, or maybe that's not no, totally true, but some people have a certain knack for it. And, yeah. uh, that's like, like, think about someone like Jonathan blow. Like he, he doesn't make anything but puzzle games. Uh, that's and true. it's like, it's like a certain way your, your brain ticks. That's just like, this yeah. is the kind of specificity. And I don't know. I struggled with it a lot when I worked on, cause my senior capstone project was a, uh, a puzzle game. And uh, it was it was hard for me because all of my yeah. other games have been kind of more uh, action games, and uh, that's like really what I focus on is like action and feel and flow. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then to have a puzzle game that's like totally different, it was it was very hard for me. And I I don't think puzzle I don't think I have like one hundred percent puzzle game brain. Uh, oh, interesting. But for people who do and can uh, can flex it, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's very enjoyable yeah. to watch. J- Jonathan Blow is experience. Actually, the the best example for like the fine line of puzzle yeah. design because it's like his career it has all it's got everything. It's got great examples mm-hmm. of uh, you know puzzles that don't do a good job of teaching you how mm-hmm. to do it. It's got mm-hmm. some of the best examples in like mm-hmm. game design of mm-hmm. puzzles that teach you how they work and then yep. let you teach yourself how they work in just mm-hmm. sometimes like astoundingly elegant ways. And in other oh, times, yeah. remarkably not elegant way. It's he's yeah. very, he needs when, a better editor when he's, when he's good, he's good, but when he's good, he's the best when he's bad, he's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Um, um but okay. anyway, you, you, you had a, you had a criticism I did, so I had or a, thing. or a, not a criticism. Um, it's an observation that might, be a criticism. I haven't decided if it's a criticism or not. Okay. Uh, one, I want to see what you think about it. Uh, okay. One of the, one of the things that I had, uh, that I kind of struggled with in this game is there were a few puzzles where um, the fact that the, you know, there's like, there's one, usually for three stars, there's one solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there is a lot of variability variability for things you can experiment with because mm-hmm. your aim is analog right mm-hmm. you you can mm-hmm. aim at any angle between yeah you know zero and 90 degrees um mm-hmm. which i guess is not technically analog but you know what i mean sure yeah. um so you have so many options and then a few of the levels in addition to having so many options mm-hmm. you have moving platforms yeah uh, so that creates a bajillion different things to try um yeah. and it almost felt to me like that was where it was adding a timing mm-hmm. and a precision element to what mm-hmm. had been a like systems yeah. intuition puzzle. Yeah. And and I would like I it wasn't 
it wasn't that I was mad that I had to time things, but I was mm. mad that I couldn't tell if my solution wasn't working because of my timing yes. or because I had the mm-hmm. wrong solution. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is absolutely a trap that uh, certain puzzle games fall into. And I think in general, this game does a good job, but yeah, there were a few moments where I felt exactly what you're describing. Okay. It's just, it's a, it's a, it's a trap, uh, that happens, uh, when you take away certain consistencies and a, a certain part of the, of a, of a successful puzzle game is a like consistent set of rules and logic that, mm-hmm. Uh, the player is basing all their assumptions upon in order to intuit the solution. Right. So when you, when you have variables within that set of assumptions, you, you can't determine the output as specifically, which can be very frustrating. Uh, Mm -hmm. And in general, I think it, it probably ought to be avoided. I think it's a, it's a tough balance to strike because uh, in some, in some cases you, introduce timing because uh timing can counteract that obvious solution that you were talking about earlier like sometimes you get to a level it's like okay well i need to shoot it right here it's like oh but there's this thing moving back and forth yeah yeah, that's true and i can't so that it's it's adding an extra layer of like okay no i can't just do the easy thing i have to think about this more critically but then also you get things where it's like uh you know the the timing just adds yeah. a level of like, okay, I know that this is what is supposed to happen, but the the timing element is preventing me yeah. from making it happen or in a worse, frustrating manner. Worse, I think I know how this is supposed to happen, but I can't confirm or deny my theory because the like it it looks like I can make it, but also like I can't I think that's actually something else that Mark Brown says in that same video, which is like mm-hmm. I needs to when you prevent them from doing the solution they think they want to do, yeah, uh, you want to make obvious. it as obvious as possible that they can't do it yeah that what you're doing Um, is wrong that it's impossible within the constraints of the level rather than that you're Mm -hmm. just like missing slightly or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's something i in general i didn't think that this game was egregious in those examples there were only a handful of like there's only one example that i can really think of and it's literally the last level i think oh really Um, the one for me was the second to last level when there's that moving platform and you have to go up and down a bunch the zigzag okay that's the level i'm thinking of i yes. didn't remember if that was the last that one was the one that i really thought of it there's another one where it kind of happened to me but i think i ended up figuring it out pretty quick so it didn't mm. matter that was the one where i had this thought i was like yeah i just can't tell if i'm doing it wrong or not yeah that's that's the exact moment i had as well uh and the other th- there's, actually, there's actually a second element of timing with that one because there's the platform moving and there's also you have to time the uh like when you ignite the fireball yes. very specifically, otherwise it won't light both books at the same time. Yes. So yeah, that's that's literally the exact yeah. example. So maybe there's just the the one level that really has that problem. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I will. There, there is that reminds me of one thing that I noticed this game doing really subtly. At first, it didn't seem intentional, but I decided it must have been. Mm-hmm. Um, where they were, they were leaving. Um, little markers yep on the mm-hmm. walls as mm-hmm. basically hints for where you need a point so like yep. if you needed to be bouncing something off a wall they mm-hmm. there would be a like little, little tick a brace like, or something i don't know how to like they're like yeah, the little they're, metal braces so, that you'd put on a piece of wood i don't know like and bracket like a bracket or something and mm-hmm. it's like this is you know you wouldn't think of it normally mm-hmm. but it's 
it seems like they're literally just there. So when you're when you're testing different places mm-hmm. and yeah. seeing where they you go, have a, you have a point yeah. of reference to be like, okay, yep. I tried it on the thing that yep. didn't work. Now I can try it to the right of the thing. Yeah. Um, the, so, the the first thing the first thing I will say is. Uh, if you notice something in the game, almost definitely someone thought about it and probably way more than you have. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the true. second thing I will say <laughs> is that I also noticed that and it is 100 percent true uh, yeah. is that any time and but they they do it in a good way that uh, they that don't they don't show their hand too much because sometimes they'll have those same little details in places where they aren't pertinent. Yeah. But there are a few very specific examples where it's like, okay, there's this piece of metal and it's got weird enough little details on it that I can kind of put my cursor uh, in like the right spot mm-hmm. uh, and like to sort of get a more consistent result or to kind of fine tune my aim uh, for like when stuff is deflecting multiple times and I yeah. need it to, you know, get just the right angle. Um, yeah which is a smart way to like kind of sometimes make the player like a a less discerning player might just be like, Oh, if I shoot it right here, it just happens to work. Oh, they must've fucked up when they were making the art. They didn't even notice that. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe someone would just not even notice the little ticks at all, or maybe sub subconsciously sort of shoot at them. But um, yeah, but yeah, that's definitely, I I like your uh, trick. It's a recurring thing. You have your, Mm -hmm your dumb player voice. Ooh, I'm just <laughs> yeah, a big, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big idiot that plays video games and I don't know how anything works. <laughs> boo, boo, boo. It's weird. When I play video games, that's how I talk. I, that's how I talk to myself the whole time. I actually, to write notes for this podcast, I just do like phone dictation and the whole time. Oh, there's a little bracket on this wall. Ooh, fascinating. Um, what else did you want to touch on? Um, let me think. Uh, did you also feel like you should have been able to light the curtains on fire directly? Uh, I definitely. So actually, uh, I just realized that or remembered this. You so you had trouble with realizing that the curtains uh, lit on fire at all. I, uh, like after that first set of levels, I just thought, oh, if I shoot curtain, I could shoot curtains while I have a fireball on and they will light. And oh, I assume that too. La- okay. Yeah. But it wasn't, but it wasn't until, until a later until, level. Yeah. It wasn't until a later level that I realized you can't. Yeah. It's just, they when have I've to tried be, you could, like three times, it's like, oh, this is not a mechanic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to shoot the books and then the books will ignite the, the, the curtains. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a, it, that's a really interesting example of like, um, like uh interface or like into because on, on a mechanical level the game gave us no reason to think that mm-hmm. um you know if it weren't fire instead it was like uh, i don't know jars of water and we were shooting an ice ball or something mm-hmm. um but because it's like oh you're communicating to me fire books catch mm-hmm. fire curtains catch fire it yeah. seems like you could cut out the middle step i know how fire works uh, yeah um so like the 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 signals on screen for how the machine works uh, yeah. weren't, weren't maybe super intuitively communicating that. And it's not really a big, yeah, thing. that's super, super minor thing, but yeah, that's, that's something that like, uh, like super refined puzzle games. That's something that's like a mistake that they won't make. Uh, and admittedly it's a, it's a small, it's a very, uh, um, specific detail to get right is, yeah. uh, sort of like 
the justification for what you're doing. I actually had a professor who would always push back really hard on this sort of thing uh, hmm. where you'd say, okay, this is this mechanic. And he's like, all right, now what's your like narrative justification for it? Cause like in the prototyping phase, it's like, all right, I've got a square and the square can zip around and can hit a thing like this. And he's like, okay, well, why does it have a depleting meter that, determines how fast it can move it's like oh well yeah. because we want to balance we want the player to do this he's like okay well i know what you want the player to do but how do you justify that to the player on like a thematic or sort of or narrative depending on what we're talking about here yeah level uh and it's something that like i i struggle with a lot it was like it was actually one of the games i was working on uh for a class that it never actually got made it was just like we were prototyping and mm-hmm. it was like all right come up with an art style for this action game and it was like okay we thought it would be cool to do steampunk samurai and he's like why it's <laughs> like oh because this and he's like yeah but why specific like that's a specific thing why and uh, interesting yeah and, and and at every step he would be we, and then we'd come up with some justification to be like oh well uh you know the samurai it has to be steampunk samurai because the the you know it vents steam to and that's why your meter drains because it's venting steam and you have to like do all this stuff and he's like he's like that's he's like that's bullshit and you and i both know it like <laughs> he's like you yeah. have to build and it's it's a really hard thing to do one of the reasons that game didn't get made is because we couldn't figure out a a really great way to justify like artistically and thematically the the mechanics that we had built yeah that's it that's a really interesting issue like the precise relationship between like interface and information and mechanics um i i was watching a uh tom francis he did um fuck what's the name of that game he did it's like you play as a little stealth guy and you uplink maybe no no uh the one where you can punch guys a billion times maybe it's like a 2d stealth game where yeah you're hacking stuff stuff. yeah yeah what is that game called i i never actually played it it's really fun uh yeah, yeah you can you can just uh jump on guys and punch them infinitely have yes. it in my steam library what the hell is that game called <laughs> i don't remember damn um, it well anyways when i was learning how game maker studio works i watched a an introductory video from him because that's what he originally di- designed that game in mm-hmm. um and he was saying that he and this seems to be like a trend that people largely agree with him on this but he hates um like pure abstractions uh, in games and he meant like like just a pure health bar that has like no mm. no connection to the world other than like to tell the player if they are gonna die or not so yeah. he was making a really simple like um, shoot him up just as a demo and he was like rather than making your character lose health when they get hit let's have them shrink and when they shrink mm. to zero they die uh, okay because you're like a little germ or something like that in this sure game. so sure. it's just like it's just a he he doesn't like it when it's like something fully and utterly outside the game world is mm-hmm. like is communicating to you how the world is going so i assume he probably doesn't like mario's lives and stuff um, yeah i mean it's a it's a certain kind of uh design i mean i think that maybe my professor had a good point and maybe also that's just the depending on the kind of game you're designing because i think a lot of games that are like i mean think about a fighting game that's built specifically to be mm-hmm. mechanically complicated and uh deep uh yeah that in that case you know you're gonna have to have these meters whose existence yeah, is true. to gauge your thing but yeah. uh, i mean a game like this which by the way 
the game uh, that he made is Gunpoint. Gunpoint. Thank I found you. that by just looking through every game in my Steam library until I <laughs> figured out which one it was. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, definitely for a certain kind of game. Uh, making sure you justify everything properly mm-hmm. and sort of have it make sense in the world can really turn it from something good to something great, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's definitely more of like a, a guideline or a tool to mm-hmm. think with than it is like yeah. a hard rule. Like yeah, just, exactly. just try to, you know, before you give your due to health bar or add some abstract, you know, incremental counter, like think, mm-hmm. why why am I doing this? Um, sure. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like, I mean, it's kind of this is true of like all like art forms and creative things. I mean, even mm-hmm. not even just art, but like anything that you're doing that you're communicating with someone else is you just have to remember that the person who is receiving the thing you've created will necessarily spend less time with it than you do and will understand mm-hmm. it less than you do. Yep. So you have to try the impossible task of putting yourself uh, in the point of view of someone who doesn't understand, in the case of games, the system underlying it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe probably isn't even a programmer, doesn't even oh, yeah. understand how the, let alone someone personally familiar with your game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, that's it's, true uh, in writing too. You know, you gotta, if you make some comment or something that it makes sense to you, you have to make yeah, sure contextualize that it, it makes sense from the point of view of someone who's not done who's all the a research big idiot. you have. Not a yeah. not an English doctor, <laughs> or is both a big idiot Boom. and an English and doctor. English doctor like <laughs> Jordan? <laughs> oh, that's me, idiot English doctor. Um, well, is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Ah, uh, no, I think that's all I had for this game. I guess I would just say you should play it. It's free and it's it's a really really good. I was really impressed. So. It's a good time. Yeah, for a for a first semester. Uh, student game uh i i say hats off to you it's definitely yeah, seriously better and more well realized than my first semester <laughs> game <laughs> um but uh with that out of the way we can talk about what we're doing next week which is a little bit of a it's not a little bit of a thing it's a it's a totally different thing we so we recently passed our our one year of doing the show and we promised a couple weeks ago that we were going to do a special and then I've promptly forgot about that until uh, <laughs> recently, but we, we have an idea. Uh, so it's not fully formed, but we're, we're going to be taking a, a sort of retrospective look back at the games we've played over the last year, you know, this mm-hmm. first year doing the show. Uh, and we're, we're going to be saying something about the games that we played, uh, or maybe just a handful of them. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we're, we haven't totally nailed it down, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think we're at the very least, we're going to pick some games from previous episodes uh, revisit them, um, try to remember some things about them that were interesting. May- maybe put them in conversation with, uh, you know, non-podcast games we played on the mm-hmm. in the past year, and then just talk about what what we really loved about these games and what uh, sort of interesting game innovations they added to the the indie game world. So that's uh, that's up next week, and um, you know where to find that. Uh, that content when it comes out on our Twitter, which is at EdgeGuardCast. Uh, we tweet out all of our episodes. Um, we tweet at our creators. Sometimes they tweet back. Um, so you should follow us. It's a good time. Um, it's, a it's a real party. It is a real party. Uh, yeah. Um, 
So look out for our special episode next week.